Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, on May 29th, 2020. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a really beautiful place to do just that. The South Bay Show is brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce has been serving the city of Manhattan Beach for over 60 years, and they are dedicated to promoting a strong local economy by supporting the community, providing valuable business connections, and representing business with government. The Chamber staff is focused on providing its membership with the tools and resources to help businesses grow and thrive within the community. Their goal is to continually support the individual efforts of business as they work to support the growth of the local economy. For more information on how the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce is working with member businesses and the city of Manhattan Beach to support that growth, visit the website at manhattanbeachchamber.com or call 310-545-5313. I'm your host. Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. This is what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. Joining us as co-host, the president and CEO of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, Kelly Stroman, and of course with us because of our great partnership, with South Bay by Jackie.com and executive producer of the South Bay show, Jackie Balestra. Hey, Jackie, Kelly, how are you today? Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, Kelly, good morning, Joe. Good morning, Joe. <laughs> morning. Oh, my goodness. Jackie is alive and awake. Uh, good morning. Good morning and happy Friday. Um, happy Friday. No, happy no, Friday. No longer happy housebound Friday. You know, people are really? out starting to move around. Kelly, I have to tell you, last weekend, Memorial Day, was the first time in 10 weeks I actually got together with friends. I, You know, mm-hmm. I other than running to the store uh, once a week, if that, um, I had not had any real, you know, person-to-person, face-to-face interaction in 10 weeks other than my husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, um, we, we've, we've taken this very seriously, you know. And and so we, we – I know some people have been getting together, like, you know, some friends of ours that I know they invited a couple over for dinner one night, you know, that sort of thing. But we've been taking this very seriously, and we have not seen any people. And finally, on Monday – uh, seven or eight of us got together. We practiced social distancing, but mm-hmm. it was it was it was great. It was so great to be to be to be interacting with people in person. You know, Zoom calls are good, but this was better. <laughs> um, yes, and I, I I think you either mentioned that last Friday that you were going to be going out, or I saw it on social media. But um, I, I'm quite surprised because you are such. A social being, Jackie, and you're always out doing so many things. I obviously I know the times have changed, but tell mm. us how that felt. Like how, you know, were you nervous? Were you just ready? You know, when you came home, did you put the hazmat suit on and scrub up? Like what? What did you do? Well, no, no you know, John and I went for a, 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 our first bike ride in ten weeks on Sunday, and so mm-hmm. we we rode all the way up to uh, El Porto. And, you know, people were out and about, and it was such a beautiful day. And and when I got home, I shot out a text to a couple of friends, and they said, anybody want to do a group, a Memorial Day group bike ride tomorrow? And and somebody came back and said, um, I have a better idea. They found a secret spot. Why don't we meet there? We can all ride our bikes there. Because people were coming from, you know, north and south, you know, so it would have been, you know, some of us would have started in the south and met people, so they said, "Why don't we meet at the secret spot, and and we can all ride our bikes there?" So we did that, 
and and they said you know bring beach chairs or blankets or whatever and uh we packed a little you know some picnic food and um i brought a bottle of wine and then somebody went to the store and bought three bottles of champagne and uh mm-hmm. it ended up being a wonderful <laughs> afternoon <laughs> it ended up being a really really wonderful afternoon it was it, it, it's a secret spot so obviously i can't tell you but um it was on the water it was on the water it was beautiful and we had plenty of room to spread out. And it, and when when we got home, yeah, we yeah we washed up. Yeah, yeah, no mm-hmm. hazmat suit, but we did wash up. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so um, it, it was a nice way to officially unofficially welcome summer. And um, and you don't have to give a politically correct answer. I, I just want I taking you know our own personal survey. We won't tell anybody. Um, did you wear a mask while, when you were bike riding? Because it's you know it's very different when you're exercising to wear a, a, a or as they say facial covering. Um, but when you were on your bike ride, did you wear a mask? We both had our masks, but we kept them around our necks. Yeah. Um, it, you know something? I'm I'm of the you know breathing in carbon your own carbon monoxide is not a good thing. You know, right. and when we got to, there were two spots. Was it um, uh, Pier Avenue and you know where you have to walk your bikes? We we pulled the masks up. We pulled yep. the masks up on those two spots. We had a, we had to uh, walk our bikes because it was crowded. But as soon as mm-hmm. we got we got we were able to get back on our bikes, we we took them down. So right. we, well, we it's like the mask has become a new accessory. You know, we wear it around our neck. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some very fancy masks out there too. Um, but I, I'm just curious because I know I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of the same way. Um, you know, I obviously wear it when I'm in a crowd. Well, the crowds these days is relative. But, you know, grocery store, out and about. Um, I, I don't wear it when I'm on my morning walk, you know, or my evening walk mm-hmm. with my dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are kind of like it also at 6 a.m. and like 7 or 8 p.m., you know. Um, if I see somebody coming towards me, I you know, everybody kind of moves away from each other these days. But, right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 it's just, it's just interesting to me now. Okay. So the beaches were open last weekend as was the bike path, um, as you enjoyed, right. um, you know, a hundred percent open. The, the, our pier is not open yet. I'm not sure. I don't, is her, did I see that Hermosa pier is open maybe actually, but, um, I know our Manhattan Beach Pier is not open. And, you know, of course, we're supposed to be moving around and uh, exercising on the beach or in the water and not, you know, congregating and playing volleyball or in groups. But there were several, you know, um, I think very peaceful, respectful um, groups, you know, people on the beach, you know, family, I believe, um, you know, mm-hmm. twos, fours, sixes, you know, um, sitting kind of enjoying the sunset. I, I went down on Saturday night, and um, my my oldest son, you guys know, is a part-time lifeguard, and he was, you know, working one of the lifeguard towers in North Manhattan. So um, I went down with a very good friend and just sat and um, caught up a little bit and um, talked. And there was people, you know, not wearing masks on the beach, but on the strand. It was, it's, very, it's very much a mixed bag, and I think everybody needs to be respectful of, um, you know, that threshold of uh, comfort, comfortability. Is that a word? Uh, of comfort <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that, ever, that ever everybody has. But, it, you know, it is mixed up. I was on a very interesting call yesterday. I'm on these weekly calls with the Department of Health. And also I heard with, you. Um, I heard you. Oh, I yes. yes. I you, uh, yeah. no, good question, huh? They like my question. Um, very good question. But right before that, I was on a call with um, Dr. Lucy Jones. Um, who we all kind of know is a seismologist and talks about earthquakes mm-hmm. all the time, but she's also, you know, does other things. And she has these calls every couple of weeks that are fascinating, very scientific information is shared. And um, she, she and a couple of the other guests shared some interesting information. So this is why we're all being encouraged anywhere in LA County to still and continue and it's going to probably be for a long time to wear a mask when you are out. Um, she, and, and then obviously to be aware of your surroundings, which this is what's also dictating uh, partially what type of businesses can open and what kind of activity they can have within them. Um, she said speaking gives off 10 times more moisture than just simply breathing. So, you know, if you're wearing a mask, mm-hmm. you're breathing in and out. I agree with you, Jackie. The carbon monoxide thing is crazy. Like I had a headache one day after wearing my mask for a couple hours um, somewhere. Um, but 
speaking gives off 10 times more moisture than just breathing. And singing gives off 10 times more moisture than speaking. So it's not a hundred times more than breathing. <laughs> Do the math. Yeah. But, um, um, that's why, you know, I think we're all tuning into how churches, you know, places of worship can, can reopen, but they have to operate on 25% capacity um, and no more, no matter how big the facility is, no more than a hundred people. And they are encouraging people, are they encouraging the, you know, the worship uh, uh, team to not engage in singing? Obviously it is, the place of worship's choice at this point. But um, when I first heard that a couple of days ago, I was like, what, why can't we sing? That's interesting. You know, I mean, some churches really rock the house and bring it down with their worship music. Um, others are a little more traditional, but yesterday when I heard that, I'm like, aha, that's why, you know, so Kelly, speaking ten- Kelly, yes. I, I have to tell you, I, I just posted something yesterday to my Facebook page about this. I read, I just read a paper. It was forwarded to my husband by his doctor and he sent it to me and it goes through all that. How, how much, uh, I can't remember the measurement, the name of the measurement, Mm -hmm. but what you're talking about, the moisture, the moisture Mm -hmm. droplets that come out of it, you know, how much comes out when you're speaking, seeing, breathing, sneezing, coughing, you know, that whole thing. And it was a big study about how, and they gave examples of yes. people it's 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 it really comes down to uh close quarter contact close qu- being in closed quarters um for a certain amount of time very very interesting uh article so i know yes. exactly what you're talking about yeah right and and then that, on that note they went on to say how being outside not only obviously um gives you a larger space but sunlight um, that, you know, there's evidence that sunlight um, can, you know, minimize, you know, the spread of the virus and, and other, obviously, you know, fresh air and what have you. But um, very, very interesting information. And then the, the county call, I don't know if you caught, you know, um, Dr. Barbara Ferrer and the other yes. part of her team talking about safer at work is kind yep. of the new mode that we have, you know, phased into no longer just safer at home. Um, obviously with all of that, you know, there's so many regulations and recommendations too, but um, hey, so important. Hey, we're having a um, a cool, um, what I call Zoominar, you know, Zoom and seminar or webinar, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a cool seminar next Wednesday. And we're getting together uh, three of our local experts, and we're talking about re- um, the theme is returning to work with confidence. Um, you know, this is for the employer, the employee, the landlord, everybody. Um, we I get so many questions every day it's, it, from all walks of life. And so um, we are going to cover the Maloney firm. It's going to cover employment law, the latest news on employee, employment law, the employer, the employee, who, what's the rights, what's the responsibilities. That's probably one of my top questions every single day. Um, so they're going to mm-hmm. update us on uh, the latest Connecta, we're going to have Mike on talking about the latest on um, PPP loans. And I don't know um, if you heard yesterday um, with the – uh, the kind of the revision to the Relief Act, um, the House passed the Paytech, Paycheck <laughs> Protection Program Flexibility Act. Um, it passed 417 to 1. Not sure who the one was, um, but uh, it extends the loan term for the PPP loan, if you received one, uh, to 20, from 8 weeks to 24 weeks. That's yes. huge news. Um, yeah. It lowers the percentage. It lowers the percentage of uh, loan proceeds that must be used on payroll from seventy-five percent, which is you know what we've all been heard, hearing for the last nine weeks, to sixty percent. Mm-hmm. Huge again, mm-hmm. and extends mm-hmm. the PPP uh, from June thirtieth to December thirtieth of twenty twenty. So, um, Connecta will be reviewing all of that, and then also how to you know properly track all those employment numbers and and start to go through how you're going to um, apply for that uh, forgiveness too, which um, huge question right now. And then uh, Carol Glover will be putting on her legal hat and talking with us about uh, landlord rights, tenant rights, 
uh, what is the latest you know, updates and news on that. Again, another emerging theme and question that I'm getting is, you know, what is the landlord? And I asked that question yesterday on the call, Jackie, you yes. heard it, but, yes. you know, what is the landlord responsible for? And now landlord's a loose term. We can have a small building that has one tenant. We can have a building that has six tenants, but they all have their individual entrances. And we can have larger buildings that, you know, have um, community entrances. So um, Carol Glover will be going over all of that. Again, you know, that information changes quite often, but um, it's kind of time that we group everybody. We'll be um, getting the sign-up. The, the Zoom will be free to everybody. Um, it's from 9 a.m. to 10.30 next Wednesday, June 3rd. You do need to register in advance, uh, and then we will send you the Zoom link. Uh, the registration will be live on our site um, this morning in the next couple hours. We're bringing this t- together as we talk. But um, kind of excited about that because, well, boy, you know, we get tons of questions and there's, there's still there's happiness, there's fear, there's excitement, there's stress. It's all over the board. So we're going to bring everybody mm-hmm. together for, for 90 minutes of solid information. There's, there's there, you know, I'll tell you something, Kelly. You, you guys at the Manhattan Beach Chamber, in addition to several other local South Bay chambers, are doing a phenomenal job getting the information out there, you know, cause I'm getting all of these, you know, emails and press releases from the different chambers and mm-hmm. the information is out there. If yes. you, if you need it, it's out there. And, and you guys have just been doing a fantastic job of, of getting all this information out there. And there's a lot of information out there. There is, there's a ton of information, you know, we try to pull it together, um, you know, and not just sh- send one email after another, because I can do that all day long. I can just go forward, 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 but uh, that's way overload for everybody. So we're trying to, you know, um, put things together kind of in groups and, and in themes, but um, boy, oh boy, the stress is real. Um, as, as much as people are happy to start returning um, to, uh, be able to shop, you know, we can't dine in yet. Um, but I heard the term, it's the new reality, not the new normal, because it's kind of nothing normal about it, but the new reality. Right. Um, but man, has the, the stress levels have just been off the charts with everybody from just some people working so hard for the last nine, we- nine weeks, others from a financial standpoint, others from a fear standpoint. Um, so uh, hopefully, you know, uh, we can empower people with knowledge, um, I'm excited to talk with our guest today because she um, mm. she knows all about stress and uh, how they deal with it in her world too. So, um, anyways, we're you know good things are happening. So continue everybody to tune in and check out our website ManhattanBeachChamber.com. Right, all right, all right. Fantastic. Shall we get to, to it, Joe? Those, well, yes, indeed. But I have to say, you know, uh, we don't breathe out carbon monoxide. We breathe out carbon dioxide. Dioxide. Sorry, I, I was I was a I was a humanities student. I didn't study the sciences. I apologize. <laughs> okay. I was a communication but, student, so clearly I need to get it right in communication. <laughs> <laughs> our 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 next guest, Jackie, is not only uh, an amazing speaker, and we're going to find out, but uh, their website is just so important uh international surf therapy dot o r g international surf therapy uh i n t l international is is uh abbreviated but um jackie who's our guest today okay our guest this morning is chris primaccio c e o of the international surf therapy organization a 501c3 nonprofit she helped founded in 2017 in Cape Town South Africa Chris utilizes her psychology degree as a highly skilled compassionate empathic and solutions oriented professional dedicated to providing exceptional care for children adolescents and adults she has provided care and support to patients and family members in healthcare environments at Seattle Children's Hospital Group Health Hospital, Special Olympics, and Northwest Hospital, to name a few. Chris implements her branding and fundraising background to help bring exposure and identity to the International Surf Therapy Organization. She applies her genuine love of the sport of surfing and proven knowledge of the therapeutic powers of the ocean to help advance the exposure and research on surfing as a health intervention through TO. Now, this morning, we'll learn about the world of surf therapy and how the pandemic has affected it. Uh, welcome to the program, Chris. We're so glad you could join us this morning. 
Thank you so much for having me, everybody. Jackie, what an interesting conversation you guys all had leading up to introducing mm. me. So thank you. Mm. <laughs> well, thank you, Chris. Uh, you know, uh, I, I told Jackie when I first found out that we were going to have you on the show that uh, for me, this means truly that the South Bay is coming back when we're talking about surf therapy, because uh, we all think of uh, surfing as therapy, whether you've surfed all your life or you've never surfed, just going to the beach and seeing people surf is therapy. Absolutely. That's actually proven by science that being in and around near on or underwater makes us happier and healthier. And obviously you're watching mm. surfers in the water. So that's actually, mm. if you haven't read Blue Mind by Wallace J. Nichols, please pick up Blue Mind. He speaks to that very notion of all you have to do is get to water. And as surfers, right. we're a little biased, right? Because we think, well, the ocean is superior. Mother ocean is superior. But in the book, Blue Mind, it's about getting to any body of water, whether it's a lake, a river, or just taking mm. an intentional shower. So, interesting. So, also, there is the unmistakable stamp of Africa on uh, internationalsurftherapy.org because right at the top in the masthead, it says, go far, go together. Tell people what where that comes from. Well, we... As Jackie had mentioned in that lovely intro, we were founded in Cape Town, South Africa, and Go Far, Go Together is a shortened version of an African proverb, which the longer version is, if you want to go fast, go alone, and if you want to go far, go together. And the idea of eight surf therapy programs coming together in South Africa to really build collaboration and see how we can take surf therapy to the next level had never been done before. Surf therapy programs by and large have always run independent of one another and frankly have considered each other to be um, competition, competition for funding, competition for getting to the beach and getting beach permits. So until the founding of the International Surf Therapy Organization or also ISTO, ISTO because it's shorter. So the, the programs never work together to, you know, really come together, leverage the power of partnership and the ocean to ultimately bring surf therapy um, present and center. In, and our mission is to have greater access to safe, inclusive surf therapy and um, we have a vision to create a world where healthcare professionals are prescribing evidence-based surf therapy. So South Africa, where we started, um, has a lot of meaning. And, and actually, if you go back to talking about Mother Ocean, we, we talk about Africa as you know, being the motherland coming from there, and there is a lot of rich history in South Africa. So yeah, it go far and go together. We feel like we're stronger together. And it's mm. evident in the growth of ISTO. We started two and a half years ago now at the end of 2017. There were 16 of us in a room in South Africa. And last year we had the honor of hosting about 250 people over five days in the South Bay of Los Angeles right here in Manhattan Beach. El Segundo, Hermosa Beach, we really took advantage of the beautiful South Bay. And we have, after such a successful conference, we have dubbed the South Bay to be our home now. Mm. 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 You, you know, Chris, I, 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 what you were saying in your, in, 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 just, just before that was about getting to, just getting to the water. It doesn't have to be the ocean. Um, it could be a lake. It could be a stream. I have to tell you. If you have a fountain in your backyard, just just the sound of the water 
is 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 incredibly calming. And as and 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 my husband and I both fly fish, and you're 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 so spot on. And it's something it's weird. I never thought about it before, but you know, we get out on a stream or a lake or a river. It 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 does something to you. You know, it just it just automatically calms you. I never thought about that. Absolutely. Before. Well, we you know obviously our first nine months were immersed in water, and then. Sure. You know, we're mostly made out of water. Our atoms individually are made out of water. It's an incredible concept, and yet at the same time, it makes a lot of sense that being anywhere near it really does, um, and again, I'm just going to say science, science does prove this, that we are calmer, we're less anxious, um, our blood pressure drops. And we actually, you see a drop in stress level. So absolutely, just get to water. Um, again, surfers, we're a little bit biased. We find that surf therapy, that there's an intrinsic value or a therapeutic value even further when you hop up on a surfboard and ride your waves. The idea is that, you know, bringing all of these vulnerable populations around the world. And what's incredible is we're internationally oriented. So we're working with such a wide range of demographics. Um, for example, vulnerable at-risk youth struggling with abuse, violence, and poverty. We're working with children with physical or mental disabilities, such as autism or Down syndrome or ADHD, veterans suffering from PTSD, addiction, homelessness. We even have a program in New Zealand that works with men recently released from prison. We, have, we work with adult women coping with trauma, domestic violence, even sex trafficking survivors, cancer survivors, and first responders, emergency service workers. So that's a big, that's a big piece. Um, that's a, uh, we're really excited about how many vulnerable populations we actually reach across six continents. Um, and we're finding that the science is proving the therapeutic benefits of hopping up on that surfboard and riding a wave because the idea is that if you can ride the waves in the ocean, you can take that back to land and ride those waves. Mm. Wow. I'm curious. Can you, can you give us a little backstory on how it was that you were in Cape Town and this came to be? Sure. I started surfing in 2011, so math, math is taking a big hit nine years ago, and at the same time had started volunteering with the Jimmy Miller Memorial Foundation, which is a local surf therapy program okay. right here in the South Bay, and I had been working or volunteering with them for about five or six years, and at that time, Carly Rogers, who had founded along with the Millers, the uh, JMMF, she was going on maternity leave in 2016 and had asked if I would be willing to take over. And so I ran the sessions for the rest of the year. And then in 2017, Carly had decided she was ready to retire after running JMMF for 14 plus years. And I had the great honor of getting to take over and become the program uh, manager for JMMF, and at that time, a program down in Cape Town, South Africa called Waves for Change had been looking to bring the sector together to collaborate on some level, and they had reached out to the leading surf therapy programs around the world, and JMMF happens to be one of them. So we were really lucky we were able to fly to South Africa and attend this five-day you know, first of its kind global conference with 16 people that was actually paid for by a grant that Waves for Change had received. And through their grant, they were asked to grow the sector, not just their surf therapy program that was operating down in Cape Town, South Africa, but rather how can we grow the entire surf therapy sector. So I, I just happened to be very, very lucky. I got to travel with Carly Rogers down to South Africa, and I was one of the 16 people who found it. So. Hmm. Wow. I, I, actually, I, 
I actually um, have another question, Joe, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, how do people to you or do you reach out to to groups? How, how does that, or is it, is it a mixture of both? I love this question because I think what makes surf therapy so special globally is that individuals who have started programs around the world have either assessed their community and decided, okay, here's a vulnerable population that we can serve, and or it is personal for them, such as a veteran who starts a program just for veterans, or a parent who starts a program for children on the autism spectrum because he witnessed his own child, you know, calmer and a little bit more attentive after a day at the beach and after riding on riding waves. So how do surf therapy or how do participants or I refer to them as athletes, how do they find these programs? By and large, most surf therapy programs operate as nonprofits. So they either attach themselves to programs like Boys and Girls Club or they attach themselves to even bigger programs like Easter Seals or um, American Cancer Society. And they have a sort of a plethora of participants or, again, athletes that come down to the beach. And or, frankly, the moment people discover what happens on the beach, family members benefit, obviously our athletes are benefiting it's really word of mouth. People immediately, I mean, I would say most of the emails that come through are, this is who I am. This is what I'm struggling with. Is there a program nearby me that I can get to? Uh, so I think, I think what's really happening is that, you know, individuals, I mean, specifically to COVID-19, as we were just, you, you all were just discussing, there, you know, there's this wave of mental health burden that's upon us. And I think what we've seen is that the world needs more resources than we have today. So while individuals around the world are attempting to cope with the repercussions of a global health crisis, and, and even before COVID-19, there, you know, there, there is an urgent need for a widespread, equitable mental health solutions. So therapy programs operate as nonprofits, so they deliver these solutions for free. To all of these vulnerable populations, and I, and I think what I have witnessed is that many of our vulnerable populations, such as our veterans, or kind of our too cool for school teenagers, they're looking for alternative solutions. They, they aren't as comfortable sitting in front of, you know, a therapist or a psychotherapist on a couch, a, a, you know, under a, a roof. And they're really looking for treatment that is alternative to address their mental, you know, health issues. And so we're seeing this rise of um, alternative methodologies and, and surfing, we believe and know works. And we actually just had the privilege of publishing, producing and facilitating the first ever academic journal dedicated to surf therapy research. So we're really striving to change the lives of individuals using surf therapy to impact their overall wellness, but we are putting the science behind it and we're gathering the research and really have become this collective of practitioners and researchers influencing um, all of the work that being done around the world. Surf therapy has been around for over 20 years, and it's really only been in the past five years that it's sort of taken off and people are starting to recognize this alternative methodology that is making big waves. Sorry, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> pun intended. I love that. We enjoy the puns. Hey, Joe, we need to do a station break. Sure. Let's do that. And I feel calmer doing it now thinking of the ocean just a, a mile away. I'm I ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the South Bay show and we love the ocean here. And we love bringing you the best in local hyper local podcasts 
about where you live and what you are interested in. We do this Thursdays and Fridays. Uh, I, I think we do this because we are here. We're, we're sharing, you know, the best in the South Bay music and dance and food, of course, is a central theme for us always, food, but also surf therapy. Um, we do this Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. and Friday morning at 8 a.m. Thursdays is the South Bay Spotlight, and uh, Fridays are uh, the Manhattan Beach Chamber 360. Proudly, we're sponsored by the Manhattan Beach Chamber on Fridays. All the best of the South Bay with a special emphasis on the city of Manhattan Beach and, of course, the members of the Manhattan Beach Chamber. Please join us. Share this with your neighbors. Share this with your friends. Uh, we're going to get connected again. We're going to be seeing actual people again. It's wonderful to get started again. Um, yeah. And uh, it's wonderful to be back. Uh, Jackie, where do we go next? Well, it, you know, I wanted to mention something to Kelly. Um, a while back, Kelly had told us a story about her experience at a thing called Day at the Beach. Um, Kelly, you want to tell Chris about that? Or maybe you already have. Um, I think you're referring to the PSI Love You Foundation. Oh, PSI Love Beach. You. I'm but, sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. but, but yes. it is called Day at the Beach. And, it, it's, you know, that's so funny. I just had a conversation with them yesterday because they're not going to be able to do their, you know, annual Day at the Beach. So we might have to get Patricia Jones on the show to talk about how they're serving um, kind of, you know, at-risk inner-city children in a, in a different way. But um, to answer your question, yes, uh, that was two years ago. I remember it vividly. I was actually recounting the story yesterday for someone. Um, you know, they bring um, children from at-risk, you know, situations to the beach um, for a day of just fun and, you know, crafts and uh, and surfing, boogie boarding, whatever you want to do. And uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty much a one-on-one situation. So I was assigned to one just absolutely sweet little girl. I think she was five at the time and um she's you know stole my heart and i spent the entire day with her including having her on my shoulders running across the hot sand to go use the restroom (laughs) several times (laughs) but um the evolution of her being so shy and her head down and looking up at me with her little eyes when she first met me um in the morning to actually pretty quickly but definitely by the end of the day to you know, commandeering, you know, everything we did, you know, my hat and dragging me with my hand across the sand to different activities was profound. And um, it had been, it was the first time that she experienced the ocean. Uh, We spent, you know, hours digging for sand crabs. They were very active that day. She found them fascinating, Um, you know, and enjoyed just barely kind of touching her toes into the waves, but I couldn't get her out of kind of the, you know, the wet sand area, um, other than to, you know, uh, run to go get food and other things. But um, the transformation with her was remarkable. So many other kids too. And, and honestly for me, um, I mean, I, I say she like tattooed my heart. I still, I have, you know, I have pictures of the day and she made a serious impact on me and brought a lot of joy to my life as I know I did to hers. And at the end of the day, as all the kids were lining back up to get on um, their respective shuttles and buses to, uh, to go back, um, the, you know, she just wouldn't let go of my hand. And she's like, mm-hmm. can we do this every day? Uh, you know? uh. and, I, and I'm like, I, I wish I could do it every day, you know. Um, <laughs> and, I, and she's like, I want to come back. I want to do this every day. You know, can I come back and see you again? And I mean, uh, it's still to this day, her sweet little hand, her sweet little voice, her face um, made a huge impact. But I, I, I know the whole entire day and the ocean made an impact on so many kids. So um, I think, you know, any age, we, we, we can't um, underscore the need, I think, for, you know, surf therapy, ocean therapy, the water, the effect that it has on all of us from a young age, not just. Um, you know, adults as our problems maybe compound and get a, and life gets a little more complex, um, or we develop certain you know um, mental health and situations. I think you know 
children are such a massive part of that. And if we can maybe start even younger and younger, uh, which is why I love the PSI Love You Foundation's program so much too, so important. Um, So on that note, Chris, um, what, you know, age groups does um, International Surf Therapy Organization deal with? Do you guys have a target audience? Do you have programs for all different ages? Kind of talk to us about, you know, the spectrum of um, who you guys serve. Well, you just stole my thunder with that awesome story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, you know, I was going to get into that. There's so many case studies of I can't tell you how many veterans or active duty military I've worked with who would come and share with me that they had been planning to take their life. And because of surfing, they're now planning the next time they can go surfing. And if you can give them hope for the future, you quite literally are saving lives out there. So I love that. There's so many stories, especially with our vulnerable youth. And to Kelly's point, um, P.S. I love you, they do work with a lot of the similar populations that a lot of surf therapy programs work with. And just for the audience's sake, we're talking about, you know, young, young individuals who, who live maybe 20 minutes away and have never been to the beach. So these mm. are things where we really don't want to take for granted what's right in front of us and then also the ability to bring more people down to the ocean. But as far as age range goes, gosh, that's, I think, one of the most special things about this. Um, from the very, very young, I've seen little three, four, five-year-olds on surfboards at events. And um, I've had the pleasure of witnessing one of our surf instructors taking out an 85-year-old veteran who, you know, sadly was in stage four cancer. And he had said this was a bucket list for him. And we were able to get him up on about five or six waves. And, I mean, there was hardly anybody on the shore not moved to tears. So that's the other thing. There's these ancillary beneficiaries, right, because you've got family members. You've got the volunteers. And, and Kelly, to your point, a lot of our volunteers would come and say, this is my therapy. <laughs> you know, they would come yeah. and volunteer for the day and work with all of these kids or, or veterans or children on the autism spectrum, and they would just walk away thinking, wow, that was my therapy. So no discrimination on age range, absolutely. So anybody and everybody is welcome. You know, I, I agree with you. I think there's, uh, you know, when you when you give or you help, and giving can be um, your time, your expertise, your resources, whatever it is. But when you give, you definitely receive. And oh, um, yeah. you, you, I mean, just I, yeah, I, whatever. You know, I'm having a rough day. Um, I look at the ocean, and uh, I can walk out of my office. And within 10 seconds, I can see the ocean. When I'm driving to my office, I get to see the ocean. And um, it definitely, you know, resets my mind. Um, When I'm really having a tough few days or weeks or whatever and things are just compounding, it's so funny. You know, I, I, I look at the ocean more, but I find a way to give back. And whether it's calling someone and talking with them and making a difference or, you know, whatever it is, I think the two are so, so powerful. Um, Chris, I know um, you mentioned uh, publishing the first article in in an academic journal, um, and I know you're very proud and and in in tune with um, perhaps like an international program. I'm I'm at a loss of words of how to describe it, but talk to us about, you know, is this something that people can study in school and talk about, I know the one uh, individual that um, is achieving his PhD in surf therapy. Yes. Jamie Marshall in Edinburgh uh, in Scotland is earning a PhD in surf therapy. So over the next year and a half, I think we will have, the first ever doctor of surf therapy. And part of our vision besides prescription surf therapy is universities to 
acknowledge their therapy and provide curriculum so that our groms today we say groms because we refer to young young little surfers that are out there like usually groms are 10 and under but I call myself a grom because we're just eager and excited to surf every day but we'd like to believe that our groms will someday attend universities and be able to earn degrees in surf therapy so as of today it is not mainstream you cannot go earn a degree but we're hoping to change that we're working on that and a, you know a, a special issue in a global journal it was published in the global journal of community um, psychology or I'm sorry community psychology practice yeah and you know it it really starts to move the needle quite literally and um, it builds the evidence base for surf therapy. It, it was really a stepping stone for widespread acceptance and eventual prescription. That's what this journal is doing because it's the first time we've ever had an academic publication that's focused on surf therapy. And now we can send students who are writing a thesis or writing a dissertation on alternative methodologies to preventative um, treatment out there. And yeah, we're really excited. It's, it's the first of its kind. And the idea that came in 2018 at our conference that happened to be in Jeffrey's Bay, Africa, we started including more researchers at our conferences. And it was one of the researchers that said, I think there's enough content here for an entire journal. And we're, we're pretty, we're really proud of that. We're extremely proud of that. The growth of evidence obviously, um, you know, builds our case for surf therapy to be prescribed universally. And again, we feel like that's just a small leap for academics to recognize it and start to uh, hopefully be able to earn degrees. So, wow. I, I, yeah, I'm sorry, Jack. I have a follow-up question, Chris, and this has occurred to me, and I don't know if you guys, because um, this is still obviously an emerging, you know, field on the academic um, and medical level um, as far as recognition goes. How do, one, does it cost any uh, anybody to participate um, in surf therapy? And two, um how does the insurance world feel about it? Um, you know, are you guys simultaneously, is this is emerging, um, you know, is it something that uh, perhaps, you know, doctors can prescribe, but the insurance world might recognize as a viable therapy and, the, you know, and, and I guess, do they support this in any way? Great question. And is surf therapy one of the check marks on an insurance claim form? Not yet. Some, mm. or actually I shouldn't say some, I should say many of the surf therapy programs that have started have started from clinicians. And some clinicians are actually using one-on-one -on -one surf therapy for their patients, or again, I say athletes, but patients, and through their clinician status as a physical therapist or as an occupational therapist, they're able to claim it on insurance. But not, you know, surf therapy hasn't been acknowledged. You're right. This is an emerging new alternative methodology or intervention. So we haven't been recognized yet in the insurance world. And I think we you know, part of this is working towards if we want doctors to prescribe evidence-based or therapy, we know the data is gold, or I guess data is currency in the healthcare professional world. And that's why when we came together, a big part of our mission is to build the evidence base. We're really trying to continue the momentum of high quality surf therapy research and this global journal happens to be one and very big important step towards global acceptance and again eventual prescription and what follows is insurance recognition because you can 
you can, on your insurance, you can claim massage therapy. You can go to school for art therapy and music therapy. And surf therapy is still new and <laughs> undiscovered. So that's, that's what we're here for. We're, we're excited to make that change. And I should note that in the UK, it has already begun. Doctors, as of last May, so 20, 2019, doctors are uh, um, prescribing surf therapy to children with mental and physical disadvantages with the support of their national health service. So it almost is prescription because they received a very, very large, very large grant through BBC Children in Need. And through that grant, they are paying for these children to be able to attend um, surf therapy. And so, sorry, Kelly, to your very, was a very long answer. Most, very long answer that I didn't answer your question. Most programs deliver surf therapy for free. So a, a very large majority, about 89% right now, are running their program as a nonprofit for free for the participants. So just like us, they're a nonprofit who works very hard to raise money so that they can go deliver safe surf therapy to all of these vulnerable populations. So by and large, it's free. Well, and you know what, you, you just, uh, thank, your, your long answer is, is, uh, is very helpful, and it's not long at all because it's very informative. And you served up my, my last kind of question that I have, and that is how is this funded? Um, how is, you know, ISTO funded? How is individual local, you know, surf therapy um, funded? Where, how, you're a nonprofit, but how are you guys funded and what do you need? Well, a lot of the surf therapy programs work, you know, again, we're working locally and if so, think globally. So these surf therapy programs that are serving their community, you've got all of these partners locally that are, supporting these individual programs. The International Surf Therapy as an international program, we focus on grants, and, and actually I, I need to give so much love to the South Bay because last year when we were putting together the concept of this massive global conference, and although we had had one in 2017, one in 2018, those were internal, those were met for surf therapy practitioners only. Last year, we decided let's go external and open it to the public. And I live here in Manhattan Beach, and so when I was putting, we were putting it together, I said, well, I would like it to be here on the South Bay. And I have to say part of it was a lot of love from South Bay Magazine when I was featured in the women's issue and surprised to me and made the cover. There was so much love and support in the South Bay. I, I cannot tip my hat or say enough thank yous in my lifetime. We had about 37 uh, benefactors who showed up for us, and 28 of those are, were in the South Bay who had heard about the International Surf Therapy Organization, either through the South Bay Magazine or just word of mouth and social media, and said, we want to support. So we had massive amounts of in-kind donations, including venues, including food, um, including drinks and water and snacks. And we finished the entire conference on the beach and in the ocean because, duh, <laughs> of course, we're going to do a surf therapy day. We were able to serve a mixed population of vulnerable youth, children on the spectrum, the first responders, and um, veterans. And we brought all of these surf therapy programs from all around the world. There were about 45 or 50 surf therapy programs that attended that day at the beach in El Porto. And we were lucky enough with coffee companies and sunscreen companies to all give back to us and help us out. So a lot of local support here in the South Bay. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get teary when I think about how many people heard what we do, what we're trying to do, and said we want to we support it. So other than grants, I think we all rely on local support. 
Wow. Absolutely. No, absolutely. The, the South Bay. Uh, Kelly, Joe, how many yes. times have we said this? Yeah. You know, the South Bay. <laughs> we're not competitive. We're collaborative. You know, we don't look at, you know, each other as competitors. Everybody collaborates. Everybody supports every place else. It's something in the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. well and, you Love know, it. I just want to give a, a big shout out to to Chris. When I I've known Chris for about ten years, um, and when I met her, she had never surfed before. And I think she, if you caught it, she mentioned she started surfing in twenty eleven, so about nine years. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, she had never surfed before. Um, and by the way, um, she's going to hate me for saying this, but she had never traveled out of the U.S. before either. And so this is, an, and I remember when she surfed the first time, and I remember when she got her first surfboard as a gift. Um, and I also remember the first time that she left the country. So um, this is somebody who has taken her passion, um, you know, at this part of her life and turned it into a global movement. And um, you know, Chris, you're an amazing human, and uh, you are doing such amazing things locally and globally. So, uh, congratulations! It's such a you know privilege to know you and to represent you and to help uh, spread this word because you truly have taken something that you you didn't even touch you know nine ten years ago and have made it into a global movement. Well, thank you so much for that. And I just want to again, I want to say thank you to all of you for having me and giving some support and shout out for the International Surf Therapy Organization and what we're doing. I'd like to just and sort of say what I always try to say to remind people, we're so connected by the ocean because it doesn't discriminate. You know, it seems very timely to remind people that the ocean doesn't care what college you went to or didn't go to. It doesn't care how big your home is or how small your home is or the car you drive. It doesn't care about your sexual preferences or the color of your skin. We're all the exact same voice in the ocean, and it brings us together because it is the great equalizer. This is what's happening around the globe in six continents and, you know, over 100 different cities, 1,000 different cities. Um, I'm so proud to be a part of such a massive global movement, and I really love and appreciate those who want to talk about it and showcase us. So thank you so much for having me. Chris, would you give us contact information or website, or uh, how can people get in contact with the International Surf well, Joe Therapy did a good Organization? Job <laughs> Joe did such a nice job. It is International Surf Therapy organization. I think if you Google that, obviously we are the only people who will come up. Our actual URL is I-N-T-L, short, for international, and then surftherapy.org. So, yeah, everything you want there. We've got, we've got resources for those who are starting programs. I would say a majority of the people who reach out to us right now ask us, hey, I want to start a program. How do we get started? That's what we're here for. We're, we, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. There are hundreds of programs out there operating, and we want to help them. If, if we want our mission to be greater access to safe, inclusive surf therapy, the only way to do that is for the sector to grow. So please reach out to us via website, and we will take care of you. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, Joe, it's been another great hour, and we got some weekending to do. We got some weekending to do. Um, it's it's. I love the logo, uh, the globe and a wave, a wave and the globe. I love that. Um, International Surf Therapy. Or it's beautiful. It it really is uh, uh, a testament to you know what a lot of people talk about when they get near water. Children when they get near the ocean for the first time just have a visceral connection to the power of the ocean. Um, it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's uh, wonderful to see. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Waves of love. Waves of love. It's been a great hour. Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us today. Have a fantastic open 
uh, time with You Can Get Near the Ocean Again. Thank you very much. And uh, Jackie and Kelly, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Joe. It's always a pleasure. And get out there and enjoy what uh, sometimes I think people take for for granted. Enjoy that beach, enjoy that ocean, and get outside. Right, 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 right. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for today. Please join us again next week and have a fantastic weekend. Get near the ocean somehow. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.